live from my grandma's speakeasy. Over 500,000 satisfied customers. This is Some of Its Parts, a podcast of pop culture misunderstandings. I'm Andrew, and today Kari and Hunter are going to fill in the plot for the Prohibition-era anime Bacchano. So, the series that we're going to do this time is Bacchano. It's an anime. came out in 2009. The series has a lot of characters. There's no main character. And it all revolves around gang violence in a world where, um, during the Prohibition era, several uh, warring families discover the elixir of life. Immortality. Um, Dr. Pepper? Dr. Pepper? <laughs> yeah. That's the elixir of life? Yeah, okay, so Dr. Pepper is the elixir of life. Okay, okay. We, so we have to strike that because I, I don't want to get sued by the Dr. Pepper company. <laughs> or I want... For um, the compliment of saying it is the elixir of life? Or, or I want all of the free soda for the rest of my life. <laughs> Your move, Dr. Pepper. Your move. If you, Dr. Pepper, if you want to see your son in life again let's go on that because that's actually a part of this here (laughs) oh my god is (laughs) that there are three main stories going on simultaneously in bacchano the first incident is the moment where the elixir of life is created okay so they create the immortality inducing dr pepper you mean dr pepper 10 (laughs) yeah dr pepper x um (laughs) Also, occasionally known as Chemical X, but only occasionally. Um, so wait, they were trying to create the perfect little girls? <laughs> That's an entirely different spin-off Yuri series. Good lord. Specifically Yuri. So who, who are our ensemble cast here? Okay, Paint me clearly a of there is a doctor, but he loves peppers. He's like actually really, really any kind of peppered jalapenos. Green, <laughs> literally the red kinds of peppers we know. So we've got a doctor who's obsessed with peppers. Yeah. So hence the nickname Doctor Pepper. And no, by the way, in this timeline, no one understands what Doctor Pepper. Well, yeah, there's is. No, there, there is no there is no Doctor Pepper. There is no yet. delicious crisp. <laughs> Are you shilling for them now? It is. It is a horrible dystopia. We cannot stress this enough. It is a goddamn man in the high castle horrible dystopian society that but the only thing that's different is that this is a world where when you go to any fast food restaurant they're like would you like a cup of dr pepper and you just scream into the abyss because coke isn't there so in the first story there are several characters who have actually been immortal prior to the creation of the elixir of life Ooh, how did they get immortal they're Highlanders. That does... You can't pluralize Highlander. Yeah, the, the characters in Highlander are immortals. Gosh, this is going to turn into like a 20-minute explanation of the Highlander mythology. Please don't. Don't. <laughs> well, actually, go along some of those lines because there is a way to kill somebody who's immortal in here. Uh, cutting off their fucking head with a katana. Okay. No. <laughs> because there's a character who's had that happen to him. See this little boy over here? He's 200 years old, and he has had every kind of horrific torment placed on him by his former master. Okay, but has he been lit on fire? 
<laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, child abuse, that's terrible. But also, is it child abuse if you're 200 years old? Well, we don't know that he what age he was when he was being tortured. We just knew he became immortal when he was young. Jesus, is it... God, do you become immortal by um, just enduring insane amounts of pain? <laughs> No, this is getting really dark. I don't. This show is kind of kind of really dark, particularly this character. Um, this little boy. There's there's a scene of him, like the first scene I think in the entire show, is him getting his head blown off with a shotgun. Yeah, but that's like fun, you know, it's like fun, <laughs> fun for the whole family kind of thing. You know, <laughs> that's a straight up the Funimation demanded the inclusion okay, of that okay. scene. Okay, okay, you you want something more hardcore here, Kari? There's a scene where somebody takes a hot rod of iron and sticks it through his eye. Listen, it's called body mods, and I'm really sick of you. Pretending like it's not a in the 1930s, thing. they don't have cyborgs. You, don't, you they weren't also don't there. have immortals and elixirs of You life. weren't there, Andy. You weren't there. Hunter, back me up on this. <laughs> none of us were there, so none of us would know. Ergo, Dr. Pepper's the elixir of life. <laughs> so, okay, I like to pretend that every bodily horror that has been inflicted on this little kid was actually just an attempt at body mods before body Enti- mods were, like, a and thing. And entirely consensual and, like, ordered by him. Like, I... Dude, I want you to turn me into a frogman. I want to be frogman. <laughs> Make me the PS1 revolutionary video game frogman. He keeps, like, referencing things that haven't <laughs> happened yet. He's like, I want to look like David Bowie. And they're like, who the fuck is David Bowie? And he's like, don't worry about it. I I'm from that. the future. Your kids are gonna love him, trust me. <laughs> The kids go nuts for him. So, um, if you'll direct your attention here, we have some characters. A gang leader who is a little boy with a massive face tattoo of a sword wrapping around his eye. Oh, we have our edgelord, finally. (laughs) These two are the idiot thieves. Yeah, they're gonna gonna wind up dead by the end of the train heist. Oh my god! Yikes! They are deeply in love, and they are deeply idiotic. Okay, well, yep, you have are. to be deeply idiotic to be deeply in love. Yeah, I said it. No, I'm kidding. Hot takes. <laughs> Serve fresh. <laughs> so, let's see here. We've got some other, uh, other points to bring up here. The Elixir of Life is created in 1930s America. Oh, those fuckers should not live forever, but okay. But that's the whole point of this, is that these fuckers shouldn't live forever. So in the first arc, you have affiliates of the mob manage to create the Elixir of Life, but then the place that they're making it gets caught on fire. Who's the guy? There's clearly a character who started the fire, and I want to call him Little Pyro. So Little who, Pyro. Who is Little Pyro? I think it's, I think we know. I think it's Tattoo Boy. Do you Boy. think it's Tattoo Boy? I Tattoo, Tattoo Boy, codename yeah. Little Pyro. Wants to be really edgy, and yeah. so, you know how, like, in old movies, they'd, like, light a match and then, like, let it catch and then, like, throw it? Yeah. You know? Where it's just, like, some weird shit that people do. Yeah. He did it, but, like, onto a fucking, like, pile of, like, oiled rags <laughs> that, like, just ignited in this factory, and he's like, fuck! Well, also keep in mind, the gangs are at war with each other, so maybe... Pyroman is on a different side than the guys who are making the elixir. No, he's on the same side. Just, <laughs> he's the just an idiot. The elixir was made by his dad, 
He doesn't want to get in trouble. Oh man, he's already in so much trouble for the face tattoo. He does not. He cannot go oh, down no. for this. Oh no, he got the tattoo because he wants trouble. I... Uh, he's also got a equally uh, interesting uh, fiance here. Uh, she is missing an eye and covered in burn scars. Because he is so bad at fires. He's so bad at them. He's so bad at controlling fires that, like, his fiance is like, oh, babe, I love you so much, but I wish you would stop lighting fires in the house. The other day I was just trying to get a nice pot roast going, and all of a sudden, boom, all of my shit is on fire. Honey, why can't we ever be intimate? Maybe because you keep setting me on fire. (laughs) This is something marriage counseling would definitely help with. I know that's like fiance stuff, but you you need to get that sorted out before yeah. you put a ring on that finger. <laughs> Preferably before. Preferably before. So so yeah, uh, Kim uh, Tattoo Boy lights the uh, building containing the elixir of life on fire. Wilts crawling in my skin is playing. <laughs> Apropos of nothing in an anachronistic 1930s. He actually... This isn't a Baz Luhrmann film, okay? You can't just d- insert Linkin Park into 1930s unless you're Baz Luhrmann. You have to have a card that says, I am awful. We let I him, make movies. We let him write the uh, screenplay for this episode. Second story is everybody and their mother wants to take over this goddamn train that may or may not have the prototype to nuclear weapons in them. They're what mayor- are you going to do with that? Just, like, sell it to your friend? I don't know. We're going to either control Chicago or we're going to blow up Chicago. One of the two. Yes, the train is traveling from Chicago to D.C. In 40 miles per hour. How long will it take? Is this going to be... It's a couple of, couple of days worth. But the thing about the train... Uh, the train heist here is that we've got like seven or eight different factions all vying for control and then a monster shows up and the monster is um just human greed no (laughs) (laughs) the real moral lesson the the monster is the friends we've made along the way I'm just kidding. He's an alligator man. <laughs> sure. He's an alligator man. How's he tormenting the train? Is he just like chomp chomp and like, we're good here? He's what? like, he just, <laughs> alligator man comes on board. Everyone's terrified and he goes, you might think I'm the monster, but the real monster is human green. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just fucking bounces off the train. And like, that was the end of capitalism forever. <laughs> he actually has a mirror that he holds up and then points at the passengers and goes, you. You. There, there, there's a very beardy Karl Marx in the background going, huh. He's just Ooh. not. He's like. <laughs> Wait, aren't out, I already dead? <laughs> someone pulls out his cell phone and it's like, Carl, it's your brother. Fucking Benny Marks, take a listen to this. And he holds the phone. You know that hot goes, new political discourse you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. There are no cell phones in the 1930s, despite Dr. Pepper being immortality. Listen, listen, this is a series set in the 1930s by people who have not done their homework. <laughs> so, and Sink yes. is playing in the background. <laughs> this is not Boz Lohman. It's not. No more Moulin Rouge for you. Okay, so we've covered the train. We've covered, what was the last one? The, the last one is, is the, the heiress. heiress looking for her idiot brother. 
Okay. Is the idiot brother older or younger? Older. Okay. Much older. Oh, all right. And he's mixed up in the mob. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He is trying to... He thinks that he knows where the elixir of life is. Actually, he does know where the elixir of life is. And now everybody else knows and everybody wants him. He's become a MacGuffin now. Oh, human MacGuffin. Yes. And everybody wants to get their grimy little paws off of it, uh, onto him because they didn't listen to Killer Croc's monologue on the train. <laughs> I like to think that this um, heiress is just really petty and her older brother owes her like $5 and now she's just going to go on this insane adventure just to get that money back. <laughs> she kills like 20 people in a Daredevil style hallway action sequence and she's like, where's my brother? I need that $5. <laughs> She's like a millionaire, but she wants the $5 from her brother. She finally finds it, pushes him up against the is like, give me the fucking $5. Like, they cut off my hands, sis. I don't give a shit. Give me the money. He That's like, pretty hardcore. He, like, gives her a 10, and then she's, like, able to make change. <laughs> yeah, they go through this whole extended sequence where she's fighting off waves of uh, opposing mobsters. While he's trying to make change for her <laughs> with little stump arms. So how? Yeah, I, I wonder how. Um, how, well, her brother's kind of an idiot. So, is he an idiot because he joined the mob, or is he an idiot just like naturally and then naturally becomes... occurring idiot? Okay, so he must have like just seen the mob wearing like a good, just I don't even know. They have very good suits. They, they really know how to wrap Every, Everybody in this show is impeccably dressed. All right. It so, is that 1930s. He must have seen, like, the little... He must have seen the boy with, like, the face tattoo and just wanted to, like, run up to him and be like, how is that your birthmark? Like, please, <laughs> tell, me your, how, tell me your family secrets. How do I be as cool as you and not as cool... And not, like, as gross as Mr. Frog Boy over there? So he's trying to find the happy medium between, like, insane self-mods and... Just like a tasteful face tattoo. <laughs> and he's running after these characters. <laughs> and he's getting into a lot of trouble trying to toe that line. Yep. He's getting into a ton of shenanigans. And he the reason he borrowed $5 from his sister is to like put a down payment on the tattoo. But li- not realizing that it's going to take severely more, like way more money. I thought it was super cheap. Like it was just a kick-ass sword. Yeah. Well, He's I mean, like, it's the 1930s. Your money is worth more at this point, mm-hmm. right? So five bucks, you're like, oh, hot damn. Like, that's a day's pay at the Ford factory. <laughs> Which he clearly works at. He clearly can make cars. <laughs> that's his superpower. That's, that's his, that's his, he's like an idiot savant. Like, he can make cars out of anything. <laughs> that, that's his My Hero Academia quirk, is he can make cars out of anything. That's, oh, that's rough. Give it's him terrible. A, he, he's the MacGyver of automobiles. I love that. He's like a huge idiot, but also MacGyver. Like, he doesn't know how he does it, but he can just assemble, like, things. Yeah, give me a pencil, a stick of gum, and a rubber band, and I'll give you the Model T. That's, <laughs> that's how like Ford did it. <laughs> so, my, my next thing here is, how are these three stories interconnected? Because many of the same characters show up in each of these. Oh, okay. And just, they're all they're all linked. Mm-hmm. I would assume most obvious would be the elixir of life is on the train and then it winds up like somewhere in Chicago that idiot brother knows about. 
How does idiot brother know where it is? Because he gets drunk all the time and just wanders around sketchy areas of Chicago and randomly stumbles upon an errant can of Mountain Dew where they're shooting some <laughs> Mountain Dew. Wait, so now the elixir of life's Mountain Dew? It's I never Mountain fuck. Dew. <laughs> never. Always Dr. Pepper. Always Dr. Pepper. Mountain Dew is what you have to give someone who has the elixir of life to kill them. <laughs> oh, good. You've answered my question on how they die. Oh. So they drink Mountain Dew. And it, it almost, like, when you hand it to them, they think they're getting the elixir of life, but it's always Mountain Dew. It's not until they put it to their lips that they're like, ah! Oh! My sperm count's gonna get hella low, and then... You'd think they'd get it from the can- fact that the cans and colors of drink are completely different, but they're all colorblind. <laughs> maybe they're deceived into it. Like, maybe this is, like, an even better elixir. <laughs> oh, that's so smart. Just be like, man, let me trick you, and now you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I have an elixir of life. 11 here, so try it. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's like the iPhone 5. It's Immortality 2.0. <laughs> This we time upgraded. you'll get a cupcake. Yeah, and we updated the UI. This is a Dr. Pepper XI. Try it out. Why is it green? It's XI. Okay. Oh, I'm burning from the inside. That's just Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how that drink works. I'm sorry, I go to Taco Bell for my Baja Blast fix every once in a while. <laughs> Listen, your heroine's different from my heroine. What's your heroine? Black tar. (laughs) (laughs) So another thing we didn't really explore here was how other people got immortal beforehand. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So I'll I'll give you a little hint here that um, some of them didn't get, uh, some of them are several hundred years old and weren't originally in America. Oh, there's got to be like, hmm... And now a bunch of them are now heads of, like, old mob families. Oh, they're vampires. <laughs> they're, they're vampires from the old country. Okay. <laughs> Which the, old country? The old the, country. The only old country. Come on, guys. Which old country? Mine. <laughs> yeah, they're all vampires. It's basically Twilight, but with less sparkling and more mutilation. I love the idea that vampires have realized that nutritionally, Dr. Pepper is more substantial than blood. Oh my god, yes, okay, we have come down to the final deconstruction of the vampire. Like, we have now reached the point where vampires no longer drink blood because somebody realized, holy shit, Dr. Pepper is like, keeps us alive and is also really good, you guys. <laughs> just as good. It's just, And it's like, also red. Yeah. But, but... I really hate you, so I'm gonna need you to try this super green drink here for a second. <laughs> Don't worry that it tastes like the hand of God trying to dissolve you from the inside. That's just the immortality working. <laughs> immortality burns! <laughs> yes, it does, Jimmy. Yes, it does. It tastes a lot like holy water! <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. And now I am the head of the vampire families. <laughs> I like the idea of someone, like, destroying the elixir by having the Dr. Pepper, but you pour Mountain Dew into it, and then it just becomes this... Ju- it, like, it's it's actually the atom bomb. So people think that the atom bomb was made by splitting the atoms in a hydrogen But it was molecule. actually pouring. It's actually just simultaneously pouring 
Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew together creates this like ex- explosion that, that can, can level kill, cities. That can kill mortal people. Exactly. And that's what the uh, Doomsday Weapon is planned to be used for. Destroy a meeting between a bunch of uh, vampire gangster families. Ooh, actually. There's a bit to that. Um, the U.S. government has captured somebody who has been immortal for several hundred years and are holding him in prison currently. Oh my god, it's Rasputin. How do you even explain that? It's like, you you have 70 years. Fine, fucker, I'll wait it out. Fuck you. <laughs> Pretty much, like, they're trying to get him to crack and tell them how the fuck he did it. And he's just kind of like, nah, I'm a chill. <laughs> you guys got Dr. Pepper in here? <laughs> Why, yes, sir. We do. (laughs) We've kept you in here for 70 years. Feels like seven days. What's up, motherfuckers? (laughs) That was their mistake. That's why they can't, like, torture him, because they don't have the do. Right. (laughs) Give their seven up, guys. I like the idea that um, the rival gangs are just representatives of different cola companies. So you've got Pepsi... Coke, Fago. Right. RC Cola. Mm-hmm. LaCroix. LaCroix. The softest of boys. <laughs> LaCroix. That, that's where our soft frog boy comes from. He's the LaCroix family. Ooh. Oh no. So different families having cola names. <laughs> yes, exactly. The Pepsi family is at war with the RC family. Not even. The RC <laughs> family fucking wishes the RC <laughs> family was at war with the RC them. family. No, senpai. It's Pepsi and Coke just, like, yelling at each other constantly. Um, and then the others trying to be a little bit more, you know, chill civil. about it. Yeah, a little more civil. But the real bloodlust is between Pepsi and Coke. So I, unless you guys have any other things, I think it's time for a reveal. Okay. What's going on here is that back in the 16 or 1700s, a bunch of immigrants to the United States were lost at sea. And they summoned some sort of demon. How? They were really lost at sea, guys. They were really desperate. <laughs> they were also, like, a lot of them were um, alchemists on the side. It's casual. It's casual alchemy I'm, and witchcraft. I, I'm an amateur alchemist. I'm not, I, haven't I can turn seawater into demons. <laughs> demons. And so they summoned this demon. And Steven's like, sup? You guys have summoned me here. What's up? And they're like, we don't want to die out here. Y'all want some Dr. Pepper? <laughs> no, but really, he's like, yo, I got you. Drink this. Like, Dr. Pepper <laughs> is the invention of a demon? Okay. It's not don't... Dr. Pepper. It's the elixir of life. And he basically pours a big old, like, fucking keg of this for them. And is like, yo, guys, like, just drink this. You'll become immortal. Most of the crew are like, oh, shit, yes. And they go and they drink it right away. And then after they drink it, he's like, so if one of you wants to die, all you got to do is have somebody else put their hand on your forehead and think about eating you. For that is my kink. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) For that is his kink, yes. This is the birth of war. (laughs) And then he says as like a final, final little thing, he's like, also, I'm going to give the instructions for how to make this to two of you guys, but I'm going to give you, like, half and half. You guys the beginning wanna... of the Coke and Pepsi <laughs> the... family. 
Everyone knows I mean, that if you add Coke and Pepsi together, it creates the elixir of life, a.k.a. Dr. Pepper. I mean, it is set during Prohibition, so yeah, like, they're selling one half of the formula as one brand of beer, and one of the other half as a different brand of beer. Well, what happens is, somebody immediately eats one of the guys who has half of the information, and tries to eat the other guy so that he'd have the whole thing. But they figure out that this guy is doing that, and they throw him overboard. Fast forward a couple hundred years. The guy who stayed on the ship, he's the head of one of the mafia families. Or at least, like, number one dude. Like, there's some old guys who are in charge of the show, but, like, he's the, like, guy that everyone looks up to. Meanwhile, the guy who uh, jumped off the boat... (laughs) and can't die, so he just sort of, like, drowned and swam until he reached the New World, is part of a different rival gang, and he's got half of it, and he's set up, for the last, like, 100 years, different uh, chemists and brewers to try and finish the information to make it. So, on the night that the scientist does successfully make it, two minor characters are doing a party trick where they have a fireproof glove on and they pour stuff onto it and light it on fire. But they accidentally drop it um, and it spreads to this warehouse. So scientist runs out with like only two bottles, gets mugged by the brother who's we're gonna be looking for later. That asshat has the elixir. I like to think that he's like, oh, fuck, I'm just so thirsty. I was just, like, traveling near this fire, and the smoke has got me, you know, all kinds of thirsty. And here's this guy with this fucking bottle. Hey, give me your fucking bottle. Delicious bottle. Well, this kid is actually enough of an asshole that he just beats this guy up to beat up an old man. And then is like, oh, you have a box of booze. Well, hot diggity daffodil. (laughs) (laughs) Score. From there... Several characters end up drinking it along the way, not knowing that it's the elixir of life, including the errant brother. In the end of that story, they end up having one of the people who's become immortal and realizes that he is go and eat the uh, evil old man who had half of the uh, ingredient list. And so... Uh, he's part of the same family that the guy who has the other half are. So they have the complete list for the elixir. Like, they know how to make it now. But they're not particularly interested in it, actually, because most of the members ended up accidentally drinking one of the bottles together. So that's the first story. The second one, on the train, got some terrorists who are aligned with the um, immortal person who's imprisoned. They're cultists who follow him and worship him. And they're out to make a political statement by killing everyone on the train. You've got a uh, group of mobsters from Chicago who are also out to just, like, murder their way through this train. Like, to just basically kill everyone to show their might. So you've got idiot thieves who are there to uh, go to New York and steal from the mob. And you have the little kid who's immortal, who I think is trying to seek out other people who are immortal. So they're all fighting to various degrees on this train. The monster is a guy named Claire, a trapeze artist 
and murderer who works for one of the families in New York. He likes to tell a story on these trains about a monster called the Rail Tracer that starts from the back of the train, like swallows it up whole. He tells this story to several of the characters, not having any intention of actually fighting on the train. He's just traveling back to New York. But he catches wind of all of the terrible things that are about to go down. What he ends up doing is dragging various members of the like mob and cultist groups underneath the train and grinding them into the tracks. But what ends up happening is that there are several characters who are mortal, and so he realizes that their bodies will reassemble, and he uses it to his advantage. He takes the people who are immortal underneath the tracks and ties them to the bottom of the train and grinds down just the bottom half of them so their body parts are flying behind the train trying to catch up. So there's this cloud of, like, flesh and blood trailing behind the train, following them. So after a while, characters are poking their head out, and they're like, I can see the monster. Meanwhile, Claire is just creeping around, taking out some of the key members from those factions. He puts an end to the violence that's going on in there by just, like, destroying everyone else. And so uh, most of the characters who were trying to get from Chicago to New York, like the thieves and um, the little boy, they do manage to get to New York. It's just now the government is like, why are there so many bodies for like 80 miles of track here? And then the third story is the heiress trying to find her idiot brother, who was the one who stole the elixir of life. Problem is, is her brother, who is immortal, was disposed of by the now immortal mob, not by actually killing him, not by eating him. They went and put him in a oil drum and filled it with cement and dropped him in the middle of the Hudson River. Um, And she goes to great lengths to find out this information. But her main thing is that she's... um, Owed five dollars. No, she's actually, like, very modest and doesn't care about the money. In fact, early on, she's cursing the fact that she has money, and the idiot thieves show up and are like, we can make you happy by stealing all your parents' money. And they do so. Okay. They don't even, like, spend it on anything. Is she happy, then? Yeah, a little bit. But then she needs to find her brother. So she's dumb. I got it. No, she's equally as dumb as her brother. All this privilege is just killing me. Hey, guys, fucking... Get rid of it. How? Well, what? On a scale of one to ten, how white is she? Is she just the whitest? Incredibly so. What a magical journey this has been. <laughs> Who are you guys? We're Bacchina. 